Hey everybody, my name is Alec, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I wanted to thank everybody who listened to the previous episode. If you haven't, um, go check it out. I, I really have a lot of fun doing these, and I just, I, li- I like to know that people listen to them. Um, and on that note, what, um, we are going to be talking about today is a little show called Akame Ga Kill. don't know this I've, I've talked about this a bunch of times before so if you listen to the podcast you'll probably hear a lot of like e- extra explanations of things and that's mostly because I want the podcast to have a little bit of you can jump on here and keep listening kind of thing but unfortunately for the fandom the the kind of base, the the biggest base of fandom is, in, at least in America, um, for anime is like a section of time between, like, say, like 12 to 14 and 17, maybe to 19. That's changed a little, especially, and will probably continue to change a little, Especially with there being such a glut of content out there and with people holding on to favorite shows for a longer time. Like, if you meet somebody who was into anime in the 90s and their favorite anime was Ava, they will probably still watch some Ava with you. But they may not have just the interest level that needs to be there to, like, go full-on week-to-week or, like, any of that crap. So, what tends to happen is you tend to have a, especially in America, a glut of... I don't want to use the word unsophisticated, because that's that's really, um... That's really... What's the word? That's really insulting to any kind of body of people unsophisticated is basically the fancy way of saying dumb. But let's say unexperienced viewers of not just anime but of media. And the reason why I don't want to talk about this is because there's in like the early and mid two thousands there was there were these kinds of shows that were Certainly shonen, shonen action shows, but they weren't designed in the same way as the big four, big three, or I bet some people have a big five. But they, they're shonen action shows. 
Um, and they're usually kind of slated as either action drama or action comedy. Um, lots of times action comedy is the thing. If you look at High School DxD, a High School DxD is an etchy action is an etchy shown in action comedy. That's the best way to describe it. Um, but they can all blend together in this kind of paste. And the reason why I'm talking about this up front is because the reason why they did so good and the why they did so well and the reason why they had a following and some of them still have a following is because you have a lot of people watching these shows where it is either their first anime or it is in like the it is in like the first group of anime they've watched or and, and or usually and or um it's it's the most accessible show at the time they jumped on because especially now and even back in back in the dark ages when Netflix was just starting to really bump up streaming the best way for most people to get into anime is not to turn around drop six bucks on a Crunchyroll subscription and you know dive in head first Crunchyroll doesn't give you a whole lot to like it gives you a whole lot of like stuff to watch, but it doesn't give you a whole lot of guidance of stuff to watch, especially up front when you sign up for a new subscription. So what most people end up doing is they end up doing watching things on a way more generalized streaming service, something like Netflix, something like Hulu, um, even now something like HBO Max. If you look at HBO Max's like big hard um moment for anime that's not the Crunchyroll collection if you look in the Crunchyroll collection there's all sorts of strange stuff in there uh, it it's arguably a good smattering of Crunchyroll offerings from all different corners of it but the big offering that HBO Max has for anime especially right now at the time of this recording which is in 2021 is the entire Ghibli library the entire like you can go watch Arietti on there if you want. That's how, that's how you can watch Pompoko on there, English dubbed. That's how like deep they went with it. And the reason probably why they elected to go for the Ghibli library instead of building out something more robust with um with Crunchyroll is that they wanted to hit a general audience, not a niche audience. But my problem with the show that we're talking about today, that I'm talking about today, is that the uh, for Akami Ga Kill, neither audience is served. So, so there's a way. So, um, if you've watched Bennett the Sage on um, it, who runs Anime Abandoned on on uh, YouTube. He did a really good um, video on Master of Martial Arts, which is a show that I think I've seen the the opening couple minutes of the first episode. And like, just probably like my gut was like, yeah, we're not going to do this to ourselves. And it turns out I was right. The long and short of it is that that show is bad in a very unique way. Like, like, like. The way he put it was, it's interesting, but it's not the good interesting. <laughs> Which I take to mean, like, it's academically bad. <laughs> the best way I can think about it. But one of the things that make that, one of the things that can elevate a otherwise kind of mediocre show to new heights is if they pick a lane and they go hard on that lane. So if you look at something like um, Ikitosen. Ikitosen has like seven fucking seasons. They have so many seasons. There are seasons you can watch in some places, some places on the internet and seasons that you can't, that you can watch in other places on the internet, but nobody has the entirety of all the seasons from what I, from what I recall. And... The thing that makes that show work, the thing that binds that show together, is they're like, 
we're gonna have girl like sexy girl fights and we're gonna fucking go for it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rig all of these girls' clothes with just threads made out of C four. <laughs> like it it it's wild. Another um great Another great example of this is if you look at something I did um I did a review of Tenjo Tenge, which is a wild review of Tenjo Tenge where I talk about the untouchables of Japan and it's like I encourage you to go listen to my episode on Tenjo Tenge because it it reads a lot into that show. Probably not that's probably not all there, but it's also definitely alluded to in a way where like if like I was making this show and making it and it this came out of me, this is what I would be thinking of and this would be the cultural touch points I'd be drawing from. But the thing that makes Tenjo Tenge work, uh, and this is a holdover from its manga, which is um, done by Ograte, which if you've never heard of Ograte, he's the guy who did Air Gear and Tenjo Tenge, though there is big claims to fame. But before that, he did um, Arrow Manga, uh, the most infamous of which is a thing called Silky Whip. And that th- that manga was like, I'm sure his public the publisher who was publishing his manga was like, "Oh, buddy, we gotta get you out of here. You don't care about the fucking enough anymore. We gotta get you a real job, bud." <laughs> to which uh, he then went on to create Air Gear and Tenjo Tenge, which are like all style, no substance in a certain way that is rare, but you can still really appreciate. <laughs> but my point there is that like. Where, where Akami Got Killed doesn't go is it doesn't, it doesn't pick a lane and it doesn't go hard in that lane in a way where it could commit to itself, if that makes any sense. And my core suspicion, considering it came out in um, 2014, which was at the tail end of the, like, anime bubble area that went from like super late 90s to like super early 2000s and then you have this big swath of the mid 2000s where stuff was coming out but it was all kind it all felt kind of aimed at or a fair amount of it could feel like it was aimed at the fandom in a way that the fandom would never ask for and was aimed at the fandom that, uh, fandom in a way that was gonna please nobody. So, the reason why High School ZSD is so, you know, like infamous is because it was just like, but what if everybody was horny? What if ev? I don't think you understand. What if everyone was horny? And then they. And then they wrapped it up in like a super stereotypical, um, like shown in action plot, quote unquote, and like linked everything together in really absurd, stupid ways. But Akami Got Kill starts in this way that it wants to be super grimdark, but it doesn't. It doesn't, A, it doesn't make the interesting choices it needs to make to have an interesting conversation about what the, well, about what Night Raid is doing. So, a rough plot synopsis of of Akami Ga Kill is, you're in this medieval fantasy world that seems to have, um, where poor people seem to wear rich people clothes from now, which is strange, which is very strange. And the world is like a, is like a medieval stand-in world, but it also has these things called danger beasts, which are just giant murder monsters. And, and that doesn't really come in to the equation super a whole lot. In a way where it's like, 
have to be super plot relevant. But what the... So that's the setting. And then the... Um, you have, like, a main protagonist character whose name is... Um, Tatsumi. And Tatsumi is, like, he came to the big... He came to the capital to make money and save his village. Quickly finds out through a series of events that that's not going to be super easy because his... The capital, the capital is so corrupt that it's rotting, that's like rotting from the inside. And that's why all the surrounding villages are failing because all these like corrupt dickbags are keeping all the money. And that's where you, that's where the show enters Night Raid, this team of assassins that Tatsumi ultimately joins. And you meet the, you meet the title character. You meet, um, you meet Akame. And Akame is this... So anime does this weird thing. In that they definitely code characters, Japanese or non-Japanese. And what I mean by that is, like, you look at characters like... Like Leone, or you look at characters like um, Mine, and they read, like... They'd be like typical anime girls that you would find in a like medieval. I mean, mine has a freaking sniper rifle, but um, they'd be like anime girls you'd find in a fantasy story. And then you see Akame, and Akame reads very much like Japanese warrior girl, and she has a distinctly different. Similar enough where she not like sticks out in the show. We'll get to the one who sticks out like sore some in a minute. Um she has a she has a design that's different enough to identify her as like you should care about her. She's she's supposed to be a main character. And the first huge like swing and a myth they have is then they completely mix her in with every other with every other female like main like first round um side character like main like main support character in the show so like she she kind of occupies the same tier as leone as mine as um another character as shell as later chelsea and you don't really you you care about her because they're giving you little backstory moments all the way through about her, but you don't care about her you don't really care about her you, you don't how should I put this you don't spend enough time with any of the characters to truly care about them in this show. you spend enough time with Tasumi because he's the point-of-view protagonist character. But even his backstory is, like, even though it's doled out, it's doled out responsibly, and it's doled out, like, across the story, it's not... It doesn't have a whole lot of weight to it. So, it... And part of the thing is that... When I talked about um, Pacific Rim the Black... I said that that show needed more time to get you more invested, needed needed more episodes, so it had more time to spend with all of these characters because it introduced like a great mechanic character uh, who um who was capable of drifting, but he like fucked up and drifted with too many people, and now he's. Like, he can juggle, but he can't remember arithmetic and shit. Like, his brain is all scrambled. And he dies pretty quickly. But, like, pretty quickly after the juggling joke, where they're starting to build a personality for him, gone. Just gone. Like, gone like the fucking... Like a leaf in the breeze. It's the worst. But, um, the... Thomas Akami got killed that doesn't use his time well. I think that's because it doesn't 
really have a solid handle on the kind of show it wants to be. And you can see that in... You can see that in the this, like... It's not a very subtle shift, but fuck is it a shift in tone that it makes pretty quickly from, like, the first core of the show, I mean, the first 12 episodes to the 24-episode show, to the second core of the show. And by this point, you have two main characters who have died. You have um, Shell, who died, and you have... um, and you, and you have um, Bullet, I think his name is. Blatt. It's Blatt, B-U-L-A-T. <laughs> Didn't expect that to be how they spelled that, but it is. Um, who also died. And this show does another thing that is a criminal thing to do when you're telling somebody a story. It gives you a character's backstory only when they're about to die unless you're dealing with two characters. The first, actually three characters, the first character that they don't do that with is Tasumi because he's the main character. The second character they don't do that with is Akame because she's on the box cover. Um, And the third character they don't do that with at least not as um, readily, is the boss character. I forget her name, and she's not listed here. But the, the reason you don't do that is because once you establish that pattern, you know how that's going to go. You know what's going to happen to these characters. And to be clear, I think that a comic that... A common gut kill with taking its cues from a bunch of different, much better shows and trying to do the same kind of like emulation of those shows. But there's this. It's just grabbing the surface pieces and it's not doing any of the hard work to have earned that. Um, to, to earn that prestige and earn that audience payoff. So. By the second season, there's a whole group of like count of like counter officers who are made to hunt, who are formed to hunt down the night raids of Assassin's Guild. Who, to be clear, this entire time you like to believe it's just fucking killing bureaucrats and and the super rich, and. That's what the show opens up on in the in the um first episode is Tasumi came to came to his came from his hometown with his two friends to try and make it in the capital. Lost track of his two friends, or got separated rather. Willingly separated, not like lost in the forest or some shit. And then he gets ripped off actually by what you find out to be Leone, just because she's being a bitch. And then ultimately you he gets picked up off the street by this young rich girl who you led to believe does this all the time. Like she just picks people up, she picks up strays, and like the way they treat they treat it. And you come to find out that that family is picking up is picking up people off the street and torturing them to death for their own amusement. And that they've tortured Tasumi's friends both to death and to the brink of death, and he soon dies. What they do is they make this, like, little girl who, you know, who the show basically says, like, she was pretending to be a good, to, to be, like, a good, super kind person, but she's really a monster, just like every other rich person. But the more interesting answer there is if the girl didn't know what was going on the entire time. Like, if the girl just thought that these people were sent on their way, like, more stable and just, like, had, like, a warm meal once for a night and was just happy about it. And they could have, like, gradually turn from there or, like, just, like, 
and she's an okay person, but her but her parents and the guards are shit buckets. But because they were so obsessed with doing like the grimdark take on thing, they make her this like maniacally evil psycho. In like immediately. And that loses all story that makes it lose that makes her character lose it any kind of potential story weight she could have had because something that lots of anime does is they'll give you a side character and then they'll take a moment later on to check in on that side character. Like they'll give you like an episode where you revisit a village in um for like for a few for a few minutes. For for a few minutes or maybe even an entire episode. Long running anime like um One Piece have done that before, where like you're revisiting a village from like the very beginning of One Piece, and that's a really great reward for an audience that that has stuck with you throughout an entire show, and this this shows disregard for that possibility means that option of a reward for sitting through this show, quite frankly, just isn't there. And so you have Night Raid murdering bad people. Like, like on the nightly, basically. Um, and then you have the Jaegers, who are this um, crew of people put together by the minister, who is the puppet master running running the capital and therefore the country, and, like, the puppet master of um, the emperor, who's a child, who, like... I feel like they could have made the emperor start... the start point of that, but then the, the um, minister, um, the start point, but then the child emperor, who's, like, very earnestly a piece of shit, could have just taken it and run with it. And it could have been a thing of like the emp like the the minister's been secretly dead for years or something. Um and they make they make these like they make these characters A they make the the bad guys like sexually evil in a way that is un that's like, that is devoid from most of the rest of the show. I mean, you, you, you bull at, um, from most of the first season, from a fair amount of the first, um, half of the first season, who they say is gay, basically so they can have him hit on Tatsumi. Just so, just so they can have those jokes made constantly, and it doesn't. It feels like a lazy way of doing the mean kind of gay stereotype that you see in like, um, Pori Pori Prisoner from um, One Punch Man. But so you have like these very evil like grimdark evil like ministers and shit and you have um and then you have the Jaegers and Jaegers are where the show really starts to run off the fucking rails because they introduce um they introduce one of the Jaegers they introduce um one of the Jaegers before the Jaeger squad is formed and you're led to believe that she's like wants to get she wants to get revenge on um on Night Rage because they killed not only her father, because they killed not only her father, but also her, like, her, ma- her like, martial arts master, basically. And it's not... It's not... And she, and she just, they, they make her the character who's obsessed with justice and, like, justice in, 
to the letter of the law, not to the spirit of the law kind of person. And so she just, like, finds bandits on the side of the road, sees that they're poor, does not care, and then murders them, kind of thing. And they... They could do a lot with her character. They could give her character growth, but they just don't bother doing that. She just remains this weird psycho for the entire show. And then you have the, like, one knock it out of the park. You got all the things right. Character designs, like, of the ages. And if you've seen anything from Akame Gakil, then you've seen this character, I guarantee you. Because I've seen this character, I'm like, the fuck is she from? And that's Ed Def. And Ed Def is this, like, Imperial Guard um, general who has ice powers. She just has ice powers. And they make her this, like, Hot chick who's also hot for murder, basically. And they... They don't give you enough of her... They, they don't give you enough of her, and they give her the quirk of wanting to find love and then being, like, deeply obsessed with Tatsumi because he's a strong man. And... They don't really do any... They don't really do much with that other than trying to do fan service stuff with her character design. And much in the same way that, like, the the saving grace of what I will say is because Bennett held up the, um, held up Queen's Blade at the end of the Master of Martial Hearts episode because that's the next thing on the docket got me really excited because, and I said this out loud, to myself, when he yelled, I'm like, ah, Queen's Blade, Queen's Blade is art. And the reason why I say that is because there are, there are actually a couple shows that do this, including High School DxD, but there are banishingly fewer shows that say, okay, and there was a whole, there was a whole, there was like Mayu something that was like a big titty ninja show. Um, there was a whole genre of these shows and they used to be more pro- pro- prolific. But Queen's Blade is a exercise in how much can we put on broadcast television in, in, in Japan and not have the government hunt us down? And so it's like, it is a show that is fan service first, plot second. The only reason we have fan, we have a plot is to get to the fan service like this nun who somebody clearly lied to when she was like two and said, making porn star poses is the best way to pray, kid. And she just kept doing that. And it's, it's like a weird form of fucking, like, fucked up art. It's hilarious and insane because just all of it. And the fan service in um, Akame Ga Kill doesn't do any of that. It doesn't go that far. It's not that affecting. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like it's there in the same in in the way of like high school DxD or um, certainly not Queen Blade and certainly not um, um, Tenjo Tenge, which like is definitely a show where like these are all teenagers and they all fuck. Um, but the big thing with this show is that it's. It wants it wants to be like an otaku culture thing. It wants to capture the same energy, like something like um, almost like Italia did on some level. And to that effect, you have each character is each character is like color coded. Every character is color coded, 
And none of them are color-coded the same, but they're all clearly color-coded. You have the character who's color-coded with black colored. He dies, we get a different char character color-coded with black. Um, you different male character color-coded with black. You have two characters who are sisters, so they're, they're the, like, Asian warrior sisters who are rivals now, who are fierce, blood-curdling enemies now. You have the blue... The sadistic blue lady wants to fuck the main character and can turn shit to ice. It's just, it's, the whole show's a mess. And it, it's so, it's so lacking in, it's so lacking in commitment to every kind of thing that it wants to do. Every thing it wants to say that ends up kind of almost doing nothing and saying nothing all at the same time, but then also reading the letter of what it says it is, which is a grimdark anime about killing for good. And that ends up making it... ends up making kind of a waste of time. Like, I wouldn't ask you to go watch this. If I was going to ask you to go watch, like, a... <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, if I was going to ask you to go watch a anime, a, like, of anime from earlier in the 2000s, it's like a shonen action anime that I think you'd get more out of, I would probably go tell you to watch Kakeshi from 2006, which is a wild fucking ride because... The um, version of that that's on Crunchyroll is clearly a version of that from, that premiered on Toonami. Or on Adult Swim, I think it was. Um, because it's, it's in Japanese, but it's English subtitled. And it's also all the credits and all the on-screen text is displayed in English, which means that it's a American broadcast, 100%, they got the Japanese voice track, too. Which is wild. But that, you hear over there. I'll probably talk about that next week. But, um, it's just... And I also, I know I did it to myself because I just did a rewatch of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and then I watched this. And, like, nothing good can come from watching a, like, really solidly great show... And then watching even a mediocre show, because a mediocre show will be like, oh, this is bad now. And I, part of the reason why I watched Akame Kakeo was because I had never seen it. It's always been in, like, the corner being like, hey, I'm still here, you haven't watched me. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a shot. And it just... And I'm stunned at this because it's in the top 100 of my anime list, and it's not like it's in the top 5 or anything, or even the top 10, it's 26. But I think 26 is too fucking high. This thing is mediocre trash. This thing is like, you don't even put it on as a distraction. It is, it is not worth even that amount of polluting your black brain, because it's, like I keep saying, it makes no hard... It makes no hard commitments to anything it's doing at any point. The Lots of people take issues with... Um, uh, and I know I keep bringing up... Um, like, etchy anime. But the that's the best way to demonstrate what this show is missing. So, uh, I'm actually going to do it without... I'm actually going to do it without... With a anime that's not an edgy anime, with an anime that's um that was Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. The reason why Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood succeeds, one of the reasons why why that show succeeds so well, that it can tell you a story that you probably already know if you watched the first one from back in two thousand four, um, and you're still like, oh my god. I'm just sitting through this again. Let's go. It's because 
it commits to a it commits to its bits. B it fully explores relationships between sets of characters in really unique and interesting ways. I was thinking about doing a um, Sunday edition on this, but I don't. I don't want to wade into those waters, so I'm going to use it here. Basically, what um, there's a moment super late in Full Metal Alchemist where um, Envy has been turned into like the little fucking lizard thing that she actually is, or that he actually is, and he's trying to do what he's done for centuries, and he's trying to turn Scar against Roy Mustang, and Roy, and like he's trying. He's trying to turn all the humans against each other. And all the humans, in like a very, like, realization, peak of humanity, we're all in this together moment, are just like, no, fuck you. We know your trick. We're not falling for it anymore. This is all your fault. You gonna die. And the result of that is this, like, feeling of these characters who had real emotional growth, and they have had to, and they've developed real relationships with each other over time that has changed the plot. The thing about a comic a kill that's the like that's the killing blow, if you will, is that it doesn't it's it gives you the starting point of those moments before either it kills the character or it just disregards that possibility. So the character, I forget his name, but he's just like, he's an executioner from somewhere in the capital, from some special unit of like flame-throwing platoons in the capital. And everybody treats him like this like big scary motherfucker because he wears this, like, luchador mask with, like, a respirator in it because he's working with gasoline and fire. And he, like, walks around. He looks like a fucked up kinky wrestler. It... But then he talks and you find out that he's this dad with a kid and all this stuff. But, and they have his daughter, they have his wife and daughter drop him lunch, drop him off lunch at some point. And, like... He straight up goes, yeah, my, my, my family knows what I do and they love me. They don't care. And the entire time, he treats it like I have done horrible things and I will rot in hell. Like, vengeance is coming for me. I know it. I do, you don't burn as many people alive as I did and, and, live a, and live a happy long life. And I'm fucking in my 30s or something. And... It, they have and throughout this entire thing you never see his face you never see his face ever and then they go out of their way and of course they only go out of the way to do this right before he's about to die and they do a flashback to where Ed Death has called all the, all the Jaeger together and they're all having this big dinner and they're like all being fucking anime style around the table idiots and that character doesn't want to go out there. He just doesn't want to, like, he's worried about people seeing his face. He thinks he looks ugly. And he sh- and shows his face to Ed Death. And she's like, huh, I thought it'd be worse. You'll be fine. Come on. We're, we're all a team. This is a team building thing. I order you. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes out. And they black out his face. You, you as the viewer, don't get the satisfaction of seeing that character's face, but in world they do. Now, let's talk about a different show. Let's talk about Naruto. There's a moment, there's a gag episode of Naruto that ends up being really meaningful because at the end of it, you see Kakashi's whole whole ass face. For the first time ever, for the first and I think only time ever in the entire show. And it's this gag for that entire episode. It's the throwaway episode, I forget what it's called. 
But what they do is they make they make it so you, the viewer, know what Kakashi looks like. But no one else still does. And that's the way you handle that. Or, in the case of... Um, <clears throat> of... What's it called? Of... A com of a comic a kill, you don't. It's not like you handle it. In that was the way they presented the whole concept of that was not the right thing. You should have had a episode or a bunch of episodes devoted to all the interpersonal relationships of the Jaegers, because what they're trying to do there is they're trying to take the people. Who have done nothing but monstrous things since the second you see any of them on screen. For for reasons that are like so deeply unjustified and so deeply fucked that like there's no defending it. And they're trying for like mere tiny little moments to give them some amount of humanity. So you so they try and get you to ache. From the heart, when the good guys fucking, when the good guys who let's remember are like very established fucking serial killers, kill them off, and the whole thing ends up falling flat because they they fumble the ending even at even at that point, and it's just it's kind it it's tiring. As a, it's a pretty tiring show to watch because they're doing these like big shifts and big moves and having these big climactic moments in the show and they're just falling shallow constantly. And it, if I had to show an anime and say, this is how you... This is how you don't write an ensemble cast show. What I mean by ensemble cast is, you ever seen Ocean's Eleven? That's the kind of best, the Ocean's Eleven movies, or Ocean's Any movies. Um, those are the best kind of examples, in at least my recent memory, of shows where they got a whole bunch of really great really well-known actors, put them in a thing, and, like, let them bounce off each other like pachinko balls constantly. And if you look at something, um, a, a better show to, a good show to compare this to is actually Blood Blockade Battlefront. Blood Blockade Battlefront is filled with all the characters from Blood Blockade. And it's, you spend time with these characters, even like the popping in and out of the of the story characters feel meaningful and feel fun and feel interesting and like there's like a, there's a there's a backstory there that they're not gonna take time to tell you, but you know it exists, you know it's, and you know you'll get it as, as a drip feed all the way through. Versus, we made a bunch of half-hearted designs of mascot characters. But don't worry, we, we made one we could put on a body pillow, and boy, is she kinky. And we kind of threw them all in this pot, shook it, and out came a comic kill. And I, I just want to talk about this joke, I started watching it, and I was just... I was stunned at how mediocrely bad it is. I mean, it, it found a way to make the concept of a group of killers who are killing for good into like a boring, like, edgeless blob. And on that note, um, if you like the podcast, I promise I watch stuff I do like too. Um, <laughs> I have been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. Um, new episodes of this show come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is a usually a show up 
is usually me talking about a show or movie that sometimes I like and sometimes I don't like. Um, and then Sunday is a more metatextual show all about like fandom stuff or like industry stuff or la- like last week I did a thing about me attempting to make my own figures through 3D modeling and 3D printing and also fucking 3D model painting. But um, until Sunday, I've been Alex. I will talk to you then. Yeah, that's it.